Well, welcome to the Hunt Back Country podcast. This is episode number 386. As we launch this episode, it just strikes me how for some of you guys listening, you've been around the podcast and Steve and myself and Exo Mountain Gear for many years now. We started this in 2015 and I hear from guys who've been listening that whole time, which is awesome. And then weekly, I'll get emails from guys who just found the podcast for the very first time. And so there's just so many different contexts and backgrounds and histories of you guys, the listeners, and what you know about the show, what you know about Steve or myself, or what you know about Exo Mountain Gear. And as we launch into this one, I want to let you know this episode is a bit about Exo Mountain Gear, and it's about Steve and I in the sense that we pour a big portion of our lives into EXO. And to cut to the chase, we're announcing our all new pack systems, the K4 pack systems, which will be shipping this spring, should be in late March. Today we're talking about that and really about the backstory of the last three to four years and all of the process that we've put into these new packs. We don't release new products often, our current packs were released back in 2019, and so we're coming up on four years, really, since we've released anything new through Exo Mountain Gear. And for those past nearly four years, that's what Steve and I have been working on, a lot behind the scenes. And we've made hints here and there about the podcast, um, or should I say through the podcast, about working on things, but we haven't talked explicitly about all of these hunts that we've done and these podcast recaps of our hunts that on really pretty much every hunt since 2019, we've been testing prototypes and new designs and often we'll have a different pack for every hunt because we're always trying new ideas and different things. And we talk a bit more about that today and the process of developing what is now the K4 pack systems, which again are coming here over the next couple of months. So a couple things really quick before we dive into that conversation. Um, We're just about a week out as the time of this episode being released from Hunt Expo in Salt Lake City. We will be there with a booth with these all-new K4 pack systems. You'll be able to see them, try them on with weight, uh, talk to us directly, and if you're so inclined, you will be able to pre-order one of these new packs as well. If you're going to miss that, if you can't make it to Hunt Expo, but you do want to receive more information on the release of these packs and also get entered into a giveaway for one of these new pack systems, just go to exomountaingear.com forward slash K4. There'll also be a link in the show description, but that is just going to make sure that we can contact you uh, with future updates via email about the release of these new packs. We will talk more in the future about the packs, but there's definitely a lot of information that isn't shared on the podcast. So things like features and photos and videos of the packs will be shared via email, but not necessarily via this podcast. As you'll hear in this episode as well, uh, we are encouraging you guys to ask us questions. We'll do some future Q&As specifically about the K4 pack systems. So if you have questions that you want to hear, things you want to know, about the packs, whether it's very technical about features and function and specifications, or whether it's more about the backstory development, design decisions, and intent, let us know. Leave us a message. You can go to the link in the show description that says leave a message, and it'll be taking you over to SpeakPipe, 
where you can use whatever device you're on to ask us that question. And then we will include that in a future Q&A episode. So a much longer introduction than normal. Let's go right into this conversation with Steve and myself discussing really the backstory, the origins of what is now the K4 pack systems. Let's dive in. Well, Steve, uh, it's funny. I was thinking about this, just going into this conversation. I feel like we've kind of dropped these little breadcrumb hints along the way of the podcast for two years of saying little bits of we're working on things, but I guess it's cool to finally be like, okay, here's K4. It's coming. It's happening. We're here. Yeah. <laughs> it's been for me, I mean, really the project goes back to, I mean, pr- prior to the K3 launch, um, as I was probably the last, you know, I think we launched in June of 2019, somewhere around January and February, like I kind of had stumbled on, you know, some new, well, A, the squadron fabric that we are now using for, you know, we're using that pretty um, prolific through the entire, you know, K4. Um, but the the idea to build, to laser cut the entire upper out of this material and build the frame out of it um, started then. And it was like, okay, that's way too, like, I'm way too late in the game of K3 to incorporate into this. Um, but I knew that... Um, I could like, well, what can I, <laughs> what can I build that I could kind of test the fabric throughout, um, throughout K3, right. Through the duration of that we ran and sold K3. And so that way, when I did, you know, launch K4, I had this kind of established tested fabric and that's where really the idea for the crib came from. So the crib we've been running for all of K3 is the exact same squadron fabric that's laser cut. And, um, yeah, that's, uh, really where it all started back back in yeah probably february of 2019 uh and it's been four years ago pretty much exactly yeah. from now yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and, uh, so it's been just, yeah it's been a long project that is really like uh i lose sleep at night right now because i'm so excited to get it like not to be done with it but to act like be done to the point where it's out there to the public now and we can yeah to share it yeah to start selling it and showing it and exposing it and um along the way has been i mean i at this point it's thousands of miles right like all the i mean death hikes and hunts and just all the training hikes and testing hikes and stuff like that there's um there has been a lot and a lot of time and effort that's gone into it yeah i mean um you know kind of talked a little bit why we're doing this podcast today in that intro but just to kind of recap you know, in this episode in particular, we're not going to get into like specs and specifics. And obviously there's going to be a lot more coming, but as we, as we go into Hunt Expo, which is, you know, what forced us to release this podcast at this time and show K4 more publicly, talk about it and do all that. We did just kind of want to communicate some of that story and like squadron's a perfect example of four years of using it in the K3 crib, which is obviously a hard use piece. And verifying that fabric and now using it much more in k4 but like as we talk about k3 k4 i guess one thing i wanted to to talk about steve is like the goal with k4 wasn't necessarily to make a better k3 um 
And we even went so far as like you and I probably spent way too many hours talking about names <laughs> and then ultimately came back to K4. Like we spent yeah. many hours of, oh, the next pack is going to be called this or that. And it's going to change. It's going to be different. Like we need to signify that these new packs we're working on isn't just like, quote unquote, the next K3. Uh, but at the end of the day, we love K4 and we came back to that name. But I guess go back to this this idea of you didn't set out to make k3 better it's more a matter of a blank slate like three four years ago a blank slate of you being obsessed with pack design now have 10 years of that's all you've done and like the combination of taking everything you've learned but at the same time essentially like starting with a blank slate yeah i think every from you know basically skeleton frame which it had kind of two versions of you know early on we um you know when we were small and just kind of you know you're just kind of shooting from the hip right um so we had like 2014 we made some modifications in 15 16 launched k2 ran that for uh three years two and a half three years and then in 19 um launched k3 and, and all of those had been basically taking the old patterns and just pushing them forward. Like, all right, almost old hip belt design. I didn't like this. So let's just slightly tweak this or tweak the foam and this shape. And everything was just like a progression forward. When I started K4, it was really like, and and it all starts frankly with the hip belt, what we kind of call the lower. So it's like the, how the frame connects into the back of the lumbar pad, the lumbar pad design and the hip belt. And that's kind of what we call internally is the lower. And, I really just wanted to start from scratch. So it's like, okay, here's all the things I've learned. Now what's let's, you know, not basically completely set it aside. I'm not throwing it out the window. Right. But it's like, let's start from scratch and just rebuild this thing from the ground up. And it was, it was super fun for me to do that. Cause it was, um, try to take everything I thought I knew and, um, just test it and see if it's right and test variations. And, uh, in my office and in the warehouse is, I don't know, 10, like big, like 24 by 24 by 36 inch boxes, huge boxes, just full of prototypes, um, different ways I've tested things and tried out how to attach this and build the lower and the shape of the hip belt and the type of foams we use. And, um, in the end, it's been kind of cool. Cause really it's, um, the, the overall, so there's so many similarities to K3 in the end, um, but it was fun to basically start all over and get to a similar place. Um, and that some, I mean, the, there's, a, there's a billion differences and then very similar ideas and in, in the overall, how the system works. It was, uh, so we did sheep show a couple weeks ago and we had K4 there. We were very quiet about it. Um, we didn't really announce ahead of time, like, hey, come see K4 and check it out. It was just like, let's go to Sheep Show, stay really quiet, let people walk up to the booth. And if they're familiar with us, they're going to see some changes. If they're not familiar with us, they have no idea that everything here is completely brand new. But, you know, for customers who own Exo Packs or people who are just familiar with us, they're like, is this different? Isn't this new? You know, and then, yeah, obviously you get the question, well, what's different? And it's so it's so funny to answer that question because it's like, man, like, how much do you want to talk? Because yeah. in one sense, <laughs> there's a lot that isn't. Meaning, yep. we discovered 
that there's so much good about K3. And then on the other hand, it's like everything's different. Like, yeah, everything's different. But on the other hand, like you take certain big picture things like focusing on like just the simplicity and efficiency of things and our end goal has not changed. It's how we're executing that and performing and getting to that end goal. That's now a lot different. Um, but yeah, Steve, like may, does anything stick out in terms of things you tried that just flat out didn't work? Um, like you talk about those big boxes of things and mm-hmm. I know like I can think of stories where we tried stuff and like you and I would take it on a hunt and you're like, no, that was a great idea in our head, but this is terrible in reality. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and sometimes it takes that. Like sometimes you're in the, in the shop and it's like, you're playing with it and you're like, yeah, I think this would work. And then you get out in the field and you're like, yeah, no, never mind. Um, you know, I, I don't, I think there's, I wouldn't say as far as in the frame design, there was any ever like massive, like, yep, nope, that doesn't work. It was just, um, I'm going to ramble here, but that that's what it almost, you know, it took three to four years to really figure this out. Cause you kind of build something and it's not like you can just go on a hike and go, oh yeah, that's better. And I think I'm really going to ramble here, man. Cause I got four years of thoughts in my head, but <laughs> we've, like even, um, like w- w- you and I, yeah, we've internally been like, okay, how do we answer the question? Why is K4 better? And it's really, it's always come down to the, it's, it's not sexy, but it's the answers. It's, it's not necessarily features, but it's just performance. Um, and you're just going to, I think the more you use K4, you're the more you'll appreciate what it does across all spectrums, right? Whether that's 10 pounds in the pack and you got to super quick four hour morning day hunt all the way up until you load up that 7200 on a 14 day sheep expedition type hunt and uh you you know you've got that thing with 70 pounds of gear and then you kill a sheep and you're packing out of the mountains like the whole spectrum of cross all that stuff how it's going to perform at each one of those stops um is where you will really start to appreciate k4 and even at the shows i think it's a little tricky because i've built we're using stiffer foams, um, thicker foams in places and the harness things that it, it doesn't have that initial kind of cushy kind of feeling that K3 does. There is a, there is a break in period to K4, um, K3, like, you know, basically out of the gate, like within the first couple hunts, once you get everything adjusted, that's as good as it's going to feel. And then, as the foams degrade over time, it's just going to slowly not feel as great. And that's just the nature of like, no foam is perfect. Right. Like I've constantly every, like I was just at shot show at the supplier showcase and um, a couple of our people we buy foam from are there. And, uh, and then there are some of our other foam suppliers. I'm just like always bugging them. Like what's new, what's cool, what's coming, like what's different. And basically the, there, you know, there's not a whole lot of innovation being done on the foam industry side, that um to for our application right like super light backpacking stuff that's really durable um, the foam we use now is the um, really the same family of foams that we've been using since 2014 and um there's different grades and densities and, and ways that the foam's built within that kind of family of foams um and we're very very happy with the combination that's in k4 um 
but uh, again yeah it just it's everything's a little bit stiffer so at the show you put it on and like yeah that feels good and it's it's really like i think peak k4 is probably like after somewhere between 20 and 30 days in the field where everything's going to start breaking in and molding to your body a little bit more um so that's just one of the examples of like um you know just things that are different in k4 versus k3 so yeah and the time it takes to verify stuff yeah 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 so the yeah going back it's not features it's performance it's just how this thing's going to do over time for you uh and that that goes down to like the entire frame upper um is made out of the squadron material which is again the same material i've been using in our crib it's it's a laminated so it's 500 d laminated to 1000 d um and the laminate basically when a laser cuts it out, it kind of seals the edges so it doesn't fray and peel over time. And that was one of my concerns because like very early generations of this fabric would have, I think they had some issues with the laminate. So it's like you could maybe under certain humidity levels and things like that, it could kind of come apart and um, they've really gotten that figured out. And we've had, yeah, we've had zero warranty issues on cribs, um, which was, you know, again, a great way of testing to make sure that we we're going to have issues with, with the uh, building, you know, we're using it just all over the pack right now. All the Molly panels are used in it. The, how the bag it attaches to the top of the frame, we call the bag lip that's made out of it. The frame uppers made out of it. I got the tab on the bottom of the lumbar pad is made out of it. Um, Cause that's a super high abrasion area. Um, so yeah, that, that stuff's been incredible and it's just going to be um, it's as bulletproof as you can get. Like if I hand you a, a piece of 500 D uh, and you take some scissors and cut like a little one inch slice into it, that it's actually shocking how easy that tears. And then you grab that with squadron. And I mean, you are hard pressed to get that thing to tear. And um, it's, it's just incredibly tough stuff. So that um, combination like the foams and the materials we're using, uh, just the, the lifespan of, of, you know, a K four, three, four years down the road of heavy use is still going to look um, brand new. Like it's just not going to wear. Mm-hmm. talk about the frame frame geometry frame shape like because one thing you know that we run into is uh to jump ahead because we're, we're trying to stay out of in this conversation getting like too deep into like specs and features and things and yeah. all that is coming we'll we'll show all that we'll talk about that etc but the k4 frame is carbon uh carbon stays we've used titanium for like the past 10 years and the change wasn't necessarily like carbon's better than titanium but you had this idea of a way of building a frame and then ultimately found out that the titanium tube wasn't going to work well on that application but that really started with an interesting scenario of you hiking with a broken k3 <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what i was i was i had I mean, you know, you talk about going back three, four years here. Like I had completely forgotten how this kind of started um, until I was kind of like recollecting some memories. But yeah, basically when, you know, we launched K3, we used the aluminum, we had those frames crack on us. Um, you know, we bit the freaking bullet and replaced every single one with titanium, which um, financially was like, oh, this is going to sting. But it was, you know, obviously the right thing to do or like Exo's philosophy for the next you know 10 15 20 years um is a take care of the product right it's got to be the best or among the very best backpacks you can throw on your back and b take care of the customer and as long as we do execute those two things very well um 
then you know we're going to be have a long sustained future uh, and be successful and uh so that you know the broken frame thing just ties right into that like yeah well clearly like we got to take care of the product and we got to take care of the customer so it was a no-brainer to do but along when the windmills were breaking um i was like i need to go i grabbed one and went and threw 100 pounds in it and went for a hike because i was like i need to know how miserable this is going to be for somebody to pack out with if it breaks on them and the reality i was i just hiked with it and i was like i was shocked like I mean, it lost a little stability at the top, right? But it, overall, it felt really good. And then I immediately was like, gosh, I wonder if we do need the bar across the top, right? Like for in my, you know, when we designed it, it's like, yeah, that solid piece across the top, it gives the whole frame structure and stability. Um, and then I hiked with a broken one and I was like, hmm, no, this feels pretty good. So that was, that was actually the start of, I think I literally cut the other side of the frame off the corner and then hiked again. Right. So I was just completely missing the top bar at this point. And, um, that was, uh, certainly the, um, got me down that path of, um, cause I, in my mind, I'm like, gosh, if I can get rid of this top bar, that's just weight I'm saving. Right. Um, and, uh, so anytime I can stumble on something where like it's a part, the part of a design is not necessary for the whole thing to function well. Uh, so I can trim that out and save weight, you know, I'm all in. Yeah. Uh, and then I started with the, now you had two independent round tubes. Um, and this is, you know, the, the photo on our, um, uh, the first, uh, was 2020 elk. Yeah. I killed a bull with Tyler came out and had archery bull and killed one. And, um, I had two independent titanium tube stays, right. Um, and the problem with that, the round tubing was that it can twist inside of the frame. Um, so I would have, I started working on, I went to one of our machine shops that we work with, uh, the shop that makes our G hooks right now and said, I, Hey, I kind of need this basically need to take a round, like, like almost like an arrow insert, right? Like a tube that's going to slide inside the titanium. And then it needs to like be machined into a flat piece that went then and went into the lower, um, so that we could, I could prevent the tube from twisting. And, um, we built some prototypes, like 3d printed some, and they worked okay. But it, to me, it was just like, um, you had to glue basically the, you know, wh whatever we're going to machine into the tubing. Um, and, uh, I just didn't feel good about that glue, like holding over time, you know, like, Oh, what if it breaks? And all of a sudden if, you know, cause the, the titanium tube is obviously bent into the shape profile that you want for your back. And so if that twists at all, it's, you know, not going to be very comfortable. Um, and then somewhere in that process i was um i think i just grabbed i went to home depot and bought some flat aluminum um stays bent them up on a tube bender kind of made it work that we had out in the warehouse and went and hiked and um i just really liked how it felt and uh um the the problem with um the round titanium tubing that we've always used is you know when you're sewing everything's basically flat right like you have two pieces of fabric you lay them flat on top of each other you stitch it and so round has always created issues um for us in the sewing it creates like you know if you put like our horizontal stay on top of it um you know it cre there's basically a single point where the two are rubbing together versus spread out over a larger surface area um so once and i yeah so i did this flat stays went and hiked with it and i was like man this feels really good uh, and then i just immediately like well aluminum is gonna be way too heavy let's go explore the carbon route um found a company um, pretty early on that could make the stays for us and we started prototyping that um i think 
late in 2020. I had the first samples in my hand very early in 21. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the rest is history that the stuff's been absolutely bomb proof. We, you know, you can't, they're, um, at the sheep show, we had a couple stays sitting on the table so people could put them in their hands and feel them. And, um, it was actually a really fun process during the, the carbon stay development because titanium to kind of cater what I want performance wise, the, the two variables you really get to play with are the diameter of the tubing and the, the wall thickness of the tubing. And those are going to dictate like the strength and flex and things like that. Um, so it's very like, you know, you're very limited in, in your options with a carbon. Uh, it was, it's infinite, um, which was really fun. So we, we built some stays, um, that were, you know, too stiff. And then I was like, all right, no, I want to add some flex. So then we went and added some flex to them. Uh, like, no, that's too much flex. And we were able to just kind of over the last two years, really cater that in to, um, we were even changing up the, the, how the layers of carbon fiber laid in there to add some torsional kind of twists to the frame. Right. Cause so when you're wearing it and you twist left and right, there's just a little bit of flex there. So it was a, it was a really fun thing to play with because it was so easy to, to change the shape, to change the flex, to change the stiffness um, and really hone and dial that in over time. So there's, uh, it'll be fun talking about K4 because obviously it's been, you know, a passion, um, something I've been just uh, dove head first into the last few years. And there's so many things that uh, I'm going to be able to ramble on here. Yeah, it's, it's just fun like going back because as you said it's been such a process for us and i forget about things but like you're talking about 2020 and hunting and like using the aluminum as i remember being on i think we were on an elk hunt and like you know we were constantly playing with stuff but like mid hunt or i think it was even mid pack out like taking out those aluminum stays and like putting it over the knee and bending it and it's like what if we added more you know more shape here <laughs> yeah. right and like we're literally yeah. packing out in an elk and like bending aluminum stays over the knee um because yeah. that you know we used aluminum a lot to like fine tune to then go to carbon uh, yeah. but just little stories like that it's like so fun to remember yeah. at this point yeah that's oh that yeah that when you uh on the exos about us there's a picture of you know me in there and and it says testing a prototype and that was that you know there's a, a carity brown prototype that was that original back in 2020 prototype of i had the round titanium in those ones um so yeah fun yeah. it's been fun so it's, it's uh it's been fun i am excited to like kind of move on to the next chapter right um of designing and working on you know some uh, the cool thing about the Molly system that we've built into it is uh, be able to kind of uh, do a lot more accessories and attachments and things like that. And we're not going to go crazy. I, I like to keep things really simple, but I, we will do like, um, I want to do some like of the common things that are out there, like very specific pouches. Like it, uh, um, the week before sheep show, I built up uh, an inReach mini pouch that um, can go anywhere on the Molly, but really well, there's some two patches of it, one on each side of the shoulder harness. So you can have your inReach right there. Got a little cutout for the antenna to stick out the top. So it's getting the best reception possible. Um, so we're going to do some like very specific uh, accessories for the, again, for the things that are common. All right. Now, now I have to like bite at that bait, Steve. I wasn't planning on talking about this. <laughs> we we're going to, we we're going to stay out of specifics, but we have to, at this point, since you said Molly and accessories attachments, talk about the Nalgene holder because oh, right. for yeah. years people have been like, you guys need to make an Nalgene holder. You need to make an Nalgene holder. And 
we're we're well aware of the interest and demand for that. There's just never been a good what we felt like was a good solution to do it. Um, yeah, because of position, because of stability, for a bunch of reasons, and so quite literally, we designed the K4 hip belt, the hip belt itself, with an Nalgene in mind. Uh, so yeah. anyway, talk about it. Yeah. So I get obviously I get the benefit of hiking with a lot of variations, right? Uh, and I know what works and what doesn't work. One thing you don't want to do is throw a bunch of weight on your hip belt itself. Um, and an Nalgene is like the worst thing. A full Nalgene is like two pounds, eight ounces, or nine ounces, something like that. It's a lot of weight to hang off a single point of the hip belt, and it only is just going to degrade how that hip belt feels, the comfort, how it's riding, right? Um, cause it's tweaking, it's pulling on the strap. It's, it's creating pressure points in the hip belt. Um, and it's just, yeah, adding weight and things to it. Um, and with K3, I didn't design that in mind, right? There was no attachment point forward or anywhere like that. Um, so it was just something like, yeah, it's great, but I, personally, I don't really like them. A lot of that was stemmed from like, there's just no way to good way to carry analogy. They are heavy. Um, you know, a, an empty Nalgene's again, seven, eight ounces, I think. Um, I think it's not that much, but I know full ones two, eight. Um, and, um, they're, they're heavier and, you know, the water kind of slushes around and stuff at times. And, um, but, uh, it was certainly something that was requested a lot. I was like, okay, when I'm designing this hip belt, um, here's a good place to carry. This is tucked back into like kind of the back of the waist belt, then you kind of got that gap between, um, you know, your, your hip, your butt and the pack. Right. Um, and that's what that was like, okay, I think an algae can mount really nicely right here. How can I mount it to this area? Um, make it easily accessible, which meant put tilting it forward at an angle. Um, it, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so yeah, I just started working on that and the, the product just turned out freaking amazing uh it's like um one there's the i could talk for four hours on the plastic behind the lumbar pad that extends out into the hip belt and all the variations of thicknesses and shapes i've tested over the over the last few years to to really dial in basically like that controls the stability of the frame the system that controls the flex in the system that controls the lumbar pressure the pressure at the hips like there's that is a like one of the most key ingredients in the entire system is this piece of plastic behind the lumbar pad um but anyways it extends out into the hip belt about three and a half inches and it was the perfect place to put a little molly uh, panel on there um, and we're, that's stitched through the plastic. And then, so when you put the Nalgene on there, all of a sudden the weight of that entire Nalgene is transferred into the plastic and then into basically the frame. Um, so you don't feel it at all. Um, it does not affect the performance of the hip belt in the slightest way. Um, it's tucked out of the way. Your arms swing freely as you're hiking. The access to it is great. Uh, the Nalgene itself, um, the pot, the pouch pocket, um, I built out of, um, uh, found like a really dense kind of foam. Um, so it's not like plasticky and hard where it's just going to be like, you know, not be forgiving when it's empty, if you lay it down or anything like that, it's built out of stiff foam that, that holds its shape over time. I put a strip of, there's this, um, 
urethane coated webbing that we put in the roll top collar of the bag so that when you open up the bags, they kind of, they're not floppy. Um, they kind of keep their shape. I put a strip of that into the top of the foam to help keep it shape. And on the top of that, I put um, at the very top edge, there's this um, elastic fold over binding that's stitched on there. Um, and uh, so as you're, it's like, there's some resistance putting the Nalgene in the pocket. Um, and that's, basically so if you know you have a full nalgene in there and you pick the pack up off the ground it doesn't just come sliding out but it, um there's some resistance sliding in and out but it's it it's perfect like that it doesn't fall out on its own um and uh you can get it in and out of there pretty easily so i've been yeah it's we had i think we actually ended up right around 150 k4 prototypes that we sent out this between like august september of of 22 and uh uh, I, th- that by far has been everyone's accessory. Even even guys like me that were anti Nalgene are now like, no, nah, Nalgene's pretty sweet. Um, I like this. <laughs> I like this. It works well. And um, yeah, so it's uh, yeah, guys are going to be super excited about that one. All right, I'm resisting like getting into more details. We'll save that right, for a right. different discussion. Um, so one thing, just thinking timeline, we talked about how all this really started even before K3 was released in a way, and then the K3 frame issue inspired this new frame design and yada, yada, yada. But one thing that we've obviously done over the last three to four years is pay attention to K3 feedback um, with thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people using K3 packs and going, okay, we're like this, basically the whole time that K3 has been launched, we've been working on what is now K4, the next generation. So for the last three years, we and that's one of the things I love about like us as a company is you know people talk about direct to consumer and like what that means and whatever. For me, I think at the end of the day, the most valuable thing about being a direct to consumer, and this is it, like from my perspective in terms of my job, is the fact that we are the direct contact to our customers. So like mm-hmm. we're talking to customers all of the time. We hear everything about the people you know from the people using our packs and so i guess what i'm getting at is as k4 was in development what what's an example of something k3 feedback wise over the last three years and these thousands of people running them that we wanted to make sure we kind of addressed in k4 as we simultaneously had thousands of people running k3s and then we're also working kind of quietly on what is now k4 by far, number one was for certain guys, certain back profiles, um, the the pack would would sag and kind of slip down on them, right? So it's like that an empty pack sits right nice up on the hips and in the lumbar pocket, um, and as they load it and wear it, it just kind of slid down their hips, um, and that was by far and away the number one thing that I wanted to address. The um, that subgroup of people is a small percentage like um i think there's some form of sagging that exists like i i didn't think it sagged at all but then i did i would do this hike um one of the things with the prototyping thing is i had 116 pounds in the pack and i'd i'd take a photo set up my camera on a shelf in my garage take a photo like put the pack on take a photo and then i'd go hike this two mile loop with 116 pounds um, and I come back and then take the exact same photo. Right. 
um, without ever like that during that time, I couldn't touch the pack. I couldn't adjust anything. Um, and then I, in that I noticed that, yeah, you know, K3 was sliding down on me a little bit. It never got for me, never got uncomfortable or anything like that. And it had like a, maybe slid down like an inch, inch and a half. Um, and then, uh, and then I would do that with different prototypes. Right. And I did this multiple times. Um, and, um, so K4 is like, like rock solid. <laughs> uh, and in fact, we, um, yeah, God, this, yeah, there's gonna be so many podcasts we're gonna be able to do on this. Like, so we built pro the, we had a, one of the early names of K4 was going to be uh Pika after the little marmot that lives up in the freaking mountains, I this, by the way. Like, yeah. It was, it was never going to happen. Just so people listening, like Steve was a big fan. I was never going to, I happen. liked it, man. <laughs> like Pika, Pika, however we're going to say it. Um, so we got this, these are prototypes that we built in 2021. We had, um, we built like 35 of them, something like that. Um, and we, you know, we, I put those out to a bunch of guys who, uh, like really good hunters, hard hunters, kill stuff, but not necessarily social media type guys where the pictures are going to be floating around on the internet too much, you know? Um, and uh, so they got beat up and one of the, I went too far with, um, to to limit the slipping, th- there is a lot in the design and the shape of the hip belt and things like that. But the vast majority of it is how much pressure do you want to put on the lumbar, right? Mm-hmm. With K3, for me and my back profile, um, I was shooting for just completely even when you load that thing up, there isn't a single pressure point in the entire pack, right? Like you can't be like, Oh, it's more on my hips than it is on my lumbar. It's more on my lumbar than it is on my hips. It was just this very even pressure profile, basically from the tip of the hip belt all the way back to the lumbar pad. Um, what I've kind of found is that, uh, you know, because I have a kind of a large curve to my lower back, um, that the, there, there's certainly, guys who are on the opposite spectrum of that and then you know i'm kind of on the the i'm not like to the far side of it but i'm on the right side of having a a kind of a deeper curve in my lumbar pad i actually have to design k4 so it's slightly uncomfortable for me in the lumbar specifically um and then i found that that matches up more with you know the 80 90 percent of guys so um it was certainly this balance of um, okay, K3 works really well for a good portion of guys. Um, there's a small sub subset of group, like 10% ish. Um, and then even like, and since we came out with that stiffer lumbar pad, which was, um, guys don't know was a product of K4 development. Uh, mm-hmm. so on the website right now with K3, you can go in there and buy a stiffer lumbar pad. Well, like that was, that came about through testing of K4. Um, like, oh, this stiffer pad feels like really good and it solves some things. And we threw it in some K3s and went and hiked in and like, yeah, no, this is going to solve the problem for some guys. Um, and, uh, so that, yeah, inside of K3, there's like, seems like may, I don't even know if it's 1% of guys that we can't eventually get, you know, they, they, we sell a pack to them. Um, they load it up, they try to hike with it. Um, and they feel like it's slipping. We send them the denser lumbar pad and that solves a good portion of it. Um, but so easy to ramble here. Um, what I wanted to do was not alien. I didn't want to, you can go too far in design, right? Like I could completely mm-hmm. solve the sagging problem for that small subset of guys, but all of a sudden on the other side of that, I created a problem for other people. Right. So that was the trick of, for me of designing K4 is how can I 
take all the things that are good about K3, improve on them, make them better, um, while at the same time not creating problems for other people that K3 works fantastic for. Um, and uh, so that yeah, that was the one of the biggest challenges of the whole thing. Um, and in that lumbar specifically, like I mentioned earlier, like that that plastic is the key ingredient for the whole thing um and where the um k4 is about an inch narrower and at the bottom where it connects uh, where the frame connects into the lumbar and that was directly related to me trying to create pressure at the lower right like i'm trying to create lumbar pressure to keep prevent sagging um and that those stays i mean i in that box of prototypes. So I think, um, we ended up at, um, six and a quarter inches wide at the bottom. And I've got, I literally have, I built, <laughs> I have this pretty incredible, our relationship with our local sew shop that does, uh, the vast majority of our sewing now is just, it's essentially, um, like it's my own place, right? I can go down you have there. A private sewer there too. Yeah, I have a, a private. <laughs> and this is our prototype sewer. I have a like I can go down at any point of the day, whenever I want. Um, and she's there. She'll just set what she's working on aside. We sew up something, and I can literally. Um, uh, another yeah yeah another cool thing is I taught my up to, during all of up to up to K three development we had um, a person at the sew shop do all the patterning, right? I essentially sketch things, you know, napkin style, right? Like sketch things on a piece of paper, run down there. Here, here's what I want to try. Let's do this. Well, during K4 development, I was like, oh, I need to teach myself how to do all the patterns. So um, all the frame patterns I've done myself. And um, that was really cool. So I, I had in my past construction life, I knew how to run AutoCAD. So I just took everything I learned from that um and applied it so now i'm drawing all the p patterns in autocad i can literally email the dxf file off to the uh the cutting table uh, at the sew shop i show up things are cut i go over to the sewer we we sew them up real quick and like at 8 a.m i could have an idea for a hip belt and by noon i could be hiking with that hip belt and i did that hundreds of times over the last few years right like hundreds of times um and back to that the lower i mean i literally have six and a quarter, six and a half, six and three quarters, seven, seven and a quarter, seven and a half. I built like uh, incrementally just built out all these different widths of how that, where the pockets are sewn for the frame to connect into. Uh, and then I go hike with it. Um, and that was, um, it all ties back to that. It's not features, it's performance with K4 is just like sometimes like, okay, this feels really good with 30 pounds. And now I need to go hike with 50 and then 80 and then a hundred and then 116. You know, I think that's the max I ever hiked with um, as far as just beats up the body doing that too many days a week. Um, and it's some things feel really good. And then you do this next load and it, and then it's like, no, that's, I think the other one feels a little bit better under this load. Um, and that's where the, the refinement of K4 comes in over time. And I think that, like I said, the, the vast majority of guys will appreciate that the more you get to use it, just all the little details that went into it um, and how it's going to perform over time. So that um, solving the sagging problem of K3 um, for that subset of group without creating problems for the other set of guys. Um, I feel, um, yeah, I, I nailed it in my opinion, right? I mean, back frames are always going to be um, individual preferences, right? Everyone's got a different back profile, different hip shape. Um, there's just so many things in there that dictate like, um, whether or not the frame is comfortable for you. But I, 
feel extremely confident in that um, K3 has been, you know, phenomenal, frankly. K4 is a nice, really nice step up from K3 for 95% of guys, right? Um, it's, uh, yeah, very excited about it. Yeah, that's tough because, like you said, like if we just, if you want to take a, like a strong hammer and say, let's fix SAG, like you can do that for certain people, right? But you just create right. problems for other people and you yeah. go too far in one direction. Cause going back to what you said, like, um, with Pika, Pika, whatever project name we're going to call that, we were never going to call this pack. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it was my 20 bunch of guys out there email in like, you should have named it Pika just yeah. to spite you, Mark. <laughs> uh, I think it was my 2021 bowl. Like when we were packing it out, it was just one of those things where it's like, yeah, I had been it's running that frame for quite a while in under, certain conditions that felt fantastic and then like you know you get multiple hours into this heavy pack out with an elk and i was just like man this is too much like you know and it's tough because what you're saying like just for example like width of that lower section that's just one of the variables like the densities of the plastics you talked about the shape of the plastics you talk about the lumbar pressure in the foam and like and that's why like going back to what you said up front, like what we call the lower when you, it's just, it's just ridiculous. Like we could, we could talk for three hours about the lower and the combination of hip belt shape, hip belt structure, um, foams, lumbar pad foams, that plastic, the shape of the plastic, the density of the, like it's, I don't want to say it's everything. It's almost everything in terms of frame performance and, and where we've spent our time. It's crazy. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah. And so, yeah, the Pika frames, I used an 063 plastic that was basically behind the lumbar pad. And then I had the wings that I was talking about earlier that the Nalgene's mounted to was a thinner 030. And it was fantastic. Um, so, you know, there, some guys just freaking absolutely loved that thing. Um, and then you and me, and, and there's a good portion of us, it was like fantastic up until about 80. It was a, a little stiff at like the 20 pounds and under and then felt fantastic from 20 to 80. And then once I went over 80, like you said that, that elk hunt in um, 21 in particular that, you know, you killed the bull all the way in the bottom of that hole. That was a, you know, that was interesting getting it out. Um, and then that next day I killed that spike and it was only like a mile and a half, but we just one trip that thing out. And I was like, yeah, this, this too much pressure on the lumbar, right? Like it was, it, it, it didn't hurt, but it, it didn't feel good. Um, and then, so I went basically, you know, immediately went back and like, okay, I, I went too far. How can I back off this? Like retain a lot of the same properties, but then back off of what we went. And that's where K4 ended up. Yeah. There, yeah. I'm trying to avoid getting other things. Let's talk about bags real quick. Um, Cause we've talked so much about the frame. Um, and yeah. again, we're well, not going to dive into. Yeah. And that's just, that's very intentional, right? Like I've spent the last uh, four, three years, depending on how you want to look at it, um, focused on the frame. Um, because that's like, if someone says, I love your frame, but I prefer X company's bag. I, I don't take any insult to that. I might have at it. Like if you're okay with a frame that doesn't perform as well, cause you like how this bag feature works, that's fine. Like that's no insult to me. Um, I get insulted when like, no, their, their pack is more comfortable, you know, like, and not insulted. Cause I, I understand there's different body profiles, but that's like, cause that's where I put all my work into, right. The bags, like, we oh, really no, he focus, didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the bags, 
are we focus on keeping them simple and functional um and if you don't like that you know if you want this feature or that feature like i don't yeah but it's uh the frame is you know it's the one that's in contact with your body if the frame doesn't performs who cares what the bag does right like mm -hmm. it's just a complete moot point like it, it needs to perform uh and that's where you know like i said the vast vast majority i'd say 95 to 5 percent um of my time in designing has gone frame versus bag and the bag matters but as you said it only really matters after you've already taken care of like fit comfort and performance right yeah um yeah. but what's interesting like on bags is and again i don't want to there's a lot we can talk about a lot we will talk about i'll just put it this way we tried some stuff with bags we tried a lot of stuff with bags, layout, design, pockets, materials, uh, zip, like everything you can imagine. Again, everything was on the table. Yep. At the end of the day, though, we came back to K3 and K4 share a lot of similarities. And that was just because after trying a ton of things, it was like, oh, man, K3 bags are pretty freaking awesome. You know, yeah. like there's changes we can make. There's changes we did make. But um yeah, maybe just touch on that because it's been interesting like you know there's a lot of testing a lot of ideas that you and i have done that's never seen the light of day there's a lot of things we tried that again sounded good in our heads or even looked good when we built it then we go on a hunt and it's like nope that's a fail and then there's like oh there's some potential here like let's try it let's get it some to some other guys like one example just that was a little bit more public is our last trip to kodiak um in 20 21 is that when that was yep um you know cody from born and raised came and then you guys filmed some stuff and so some stuff was out there a little bit more publicly because everyone on that trip was wearing prototypes of both frames and bags and so guys were like picking apart that video and being like "Ooh, there's different than this and there's different than that mm -hmm. and those bags have drastically changed um but i guess you know, touch on maybe if you want to talk about something we tried and didn't like, but at the end of the day, maybe like we came, we came back to not changing K3 super dramatically from a bag perspective, just because they are freaking great bags. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, I've certainly over the years and yeah, and early in K4 development built like, oh, let's try to save weight by, um, well, let's, I'll say this. So <laughs> I'm never going to save weight at the expense of performance like and that's comfort durability um right like i'm never you're never gonna see a, like a oh here's our super light frame and i just went and used like crappy foam that's really thin and it's made the hip belt smaller and things like that you see a lot of companies do um like that it's that's never gonna happen um so the only way to save weight um, really is to take away features in the bag uh, it's like, okay, can I do without the front stretch panel? Can I do without one side of the side pocket? Can I do without this? Can I do without that? And at the end of the day, it's like I'd build those and like for, for hunt A, it was fine. I'm like, oh, I'm on an elk hunt, you know, backpacking super light, not packing a spine scope, not spacking a tripod. Uh, there's water everywhere. That's great. Fine. Like I don't need that. And then the next hunt I go on, um, it's like, okay, I'm in the Frank church sheep hunting. And all of a sudden I got to pack a boatload of water. I do have a spine scope. I do have a tripod. I got a rifle, like all these different scenarios that play out over the course of a hunting season. If you're, you know, you're bow hunting and then you're rifle hunting and then you're late season hunting and all these different things. Um, 
you, you take away these features and then all of a sudden the bag becomes like a pain in the butt to use, right? Like, okay, well, I've got this extra three liter bladder of water. I don't really want to just throw this in the main bag. I think that's a really bad place for it if we were to pop and then, you know, talk about creating issues for yourself while you're out there hunting. Um, so it's like, yeah, now I no longer have a pocket to put it in on the outside. Um, that happened in, in 2020, I was hiking with a, um, hunting with a prototype on Boschman's doll sheep hunt. Um, and I had done away with a spine scope pocket on one side of the bag. And, um, yeah, we got in a situation where I just like, I had nowhere to put, um, some, you know, some of the things I was packing with me and I was like, ah, this sucks. Um, so that's really where the bags, there's just like, um, in order to save, to save weight, which is always a goal of mine. I, I try to make it less of a goal during t- K4 than I did during K3. Um, the weights are going to be very similar, maybe an ounce or two heavier than like the comparable K3 bag. I saved about three ounces out of the frame, but then um, basically added some zippers and things into the, to the bags where they, it's basically a wash. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, um, you know, you take away features and, and that, you know, just doesn't work out in the long run. The bags are very well designed to cover that, you know, that large spectrum of all these different possible hunts that you can take the pack on. So, and um, yeah, so the Pika bags that we had in 21, I did some different, like the, it's kind of this backwards seven zipper access into the main bag. And then I added zippers under the spine scope pockets. So we're kind of in the middle um, I had done the original, um, back then was the Nalgene. I had built this pocket that came off of a 45 of the bag and then it attached to the hip belt. And that, and then it was a stretch pocket that the, that your Nalgene bottle could go in. Um, and that had, that was something that failed. I, uh, it was a concern for mine, but basically that attachment from the bag to the frame, um, it just, cr- it it was fine if the user was always paying attention to it. Cause you just couldn't, you couldn't have it over tensioned. Um, and it's fine when you're, when the bag's attached to the frame, but when you go to haul meat, you really have to loosen that up because you're pulling the bag away from the frame. And, um, it just created issues to where I had to abandon the idea. Um, I tried solving it with like some heavy duty elastics and at the end of the day, the, the final Nalgene pocket we settled on and like being a, a way better design. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I I kind of came to find like, I don't really, I'm not too particular on the bags. Like I, I think a lot of guys that we sent different prototypes to, you get so accustomed to say our, our K3 bag layouts that they, they just know how to pack it and they know where everything goes. And so like you, you present them with a new bag and all of a sudden it's like, Oh, they've got this, you know, their tripod in their hand or their extra water bag or spine scope or whatever you know gloves snacks and like ah where do, where does this go i have to find a new place for it and so that kind of creates like a mental block i kind of found that like yeah i'm not too particular <laughs> like i can i kind of make anything work when it comes to the bag designs as long as i have um you know enough places to put the the the, ne- the necessity items that that occur on a hunt and the the um for me i found that a rifle hunt um and dry country is like the two a solo rifle hunt and dry country are the is like the worst case scenario like if if i can do that hunt where i've got a rifle i've got a tripod i've got a spotting scope and i'm going to frequently be packing an extra bladder of water um that's worst case scenario on like i need a place for all of these to go on the outside of the pack 
um, so that a I've got quick access to them and, and b they're they're not inside the bag where the bladder can pop or the spine scope and tripod aren't accessible quickly if I you know um, I'm on my Frank Church sheep tag um, and I need to you know there's something right there I need to get my spotter and tripod out quick right um, all that things all they all need to be kind of wrapped around the outside of the pack and easily accessible. I can ramble, man. I know. I, I, <laughs> I can ramble. You know, like, it's, uh, it is fun to start like publicly talking about all this stuff because it's been, um, I yeah, I can't tell you how many nights laying in bed, you know, wake up at 1 a.m. and like, I literally have an idea and like, I'll pull out my phone real quick, jot the idea down. And yeah, the next day I'm off testing and hiking with it. So it's been a, it's been a very long, fun process. All right, let's cap it there. There's a ton we didn't cover, uh, obviously, and a lot more information going to be coming. Um, and we'll certainly use the podcast to talk about that uh, some. We don't want to make all of the podcasts all about the packs all of the time. But obviously, with a new release, which isn't something we do much, it's you know been almost four years at this point. Um, we will talk about it and we'll answer what you guys want to hear. So a couple things as we wrap up. One, we talk about all the time about um, you know, leaving us questions and especially using SpeakPipe for that. And I would just say, we want to know what you want to hear about in terms of K4 so that we can make sure we're answering your questions. And so leave us a SpeakPipe message um, about any questions you have about K4. And we'll do some future Q&A podcasts that are specific to K4. Um, we will continue to do regular Monday minutes and talk hunting tactics and all that stuff. So, um, feel free to leave those as well. But, uh, in particular, what do you want to know about K4? We'll talk about it. We'll do future Q and A's. Um, and then along with that is obviously not all of the information about K4 and the launch is going to come through the podcast. And so, um, if you just go to exomountaingear.com forward slash K4, Right now, there's just a landing page. Um, we'll update that as there's more information. So as we start to release videos and et cetera. But right now, that's a landing page um, to enter your email if you want to get updates specifically about K4 so that we can make sure we're getting information you know, to people who are interested in the best place. So if you do either or both of those, we will be giving away five full k4 pack systems when we launch so if you go to the landing page enter your email you're in if you basically want like a bonus entry and you leave us a speak pipe question um you'll be in twice basically so do that now um a lot more information to come so i guess you know to tackle some of the big questions uh we'll be launching call it early spring steve what do what do we want to say there <laughs> yeah late march I, I thought april 1st would have been kind of funny like april fool's day like launch yeah, uh, i think that lands on a saturday or something maybe it's Friday yeah. or saturday i was like that's a bad day to launch so i think we're going to do it right now the plan is um like that march 28th i think is like a tuesday but it's up um could change you know a lot could change there's a lot um lessons learned over the years right like right we are in full production of k4 right now have been since december 1st um, so shop is cranking. I am spending four hours a day when we're not traveling. It shows down at the so shop QCing every part that comes off, um, making sure these scenes are perfect. Um, there's a, there's a huge transition from, uh, Anessa and I sewing prototypes and one-offs together to going into production, right? Um, she's a amazing sewer and makes stuff work and the sewers on the floor, you know, they just have to learn a new product and sewing is so, um, 
so particular, right? Like uh, the amount of tension you're putting on it and every sewer, you give, you know, 10 different sewers, the exact same patterns and just let them have at it. You're going to like, everyone's going to be slightly different. Um, so that transition from, from prototyping to production is, um, there's a lot of effort that goes into it. And that's been another, another cool thing is my relationship with the sew shop. Like I'm literally, there's one lady who's doing all the bar tacks for this critical part, this critical connection at the top of the frame. And I'm literally like sitting on her, you know, on, at her sew, sewing table next to her, like getting like, okay, this is exactly how I want it. This is exactly the width I want it. Um, and it's been really cool. Cause I've got like access to every single person that every stage along the way is the packs being sewn. Um, so yeah, anyways, lessons learned over like K3 launch and things like that. We're building inventory now. When we launch, we should have a really good amount of inventory and kind of a head start on this. So um we should have packs built up, ready to go. And you know, we can uh when we launch, you know, I, I like to say like everything's gonna ship like in two to four days, but the, the reality is like there's gonna be a very large amount of orders that is probably gonna take us, you know, even if you buy on that first day, it could take up to three weeks to get shipped out the door. Um, cause we can only get so many packs out per day. Um, but, uh, when we launch, we'll have stock, we'll have inventory. And, um, I don't really, I think we should be good. Kind of built out some production models and sales models and, um, we should be good up until like July. And then it just depends on, you know, if sales go crazy, um, where we kind of line out to where if things start getting like, you know, in a back order situation, but really trying to avoid that at all costs, you know, exos were, were built like very lean, very efficient. And we don't do well, like when we get into back orders and, um, it just, yeah, you and Jake's job becomes three times the effort. Cause not only does someone place an order, but then there's all these follow-up emails of people checking in on things or shipping and things like that. And, um, we're, we're built to be like stuff's in stock ships in 24 hours, bam, it's out the door, customer's happy. Um, so that's the goal with the K4 launch is to, to execute that as best as we can. And it's not going to be perfect. Um, we know that, uh, but we're doing everything we can to, to get as close to perfect as we, as we possibly can be. Cool. So more information coming guys, um, models, specs, pricing features. There's, there's a ton of stuff in these packs we didn't even touch on today. So, um, yeah, I would just say stay tuned, uh, sign up at exomontgear.com forward slash K4. There'll be a link in the show description. Um, and then you can leave us one of those audio messages through SpeakPipe. Um, you'll be entered, you know, kind of bonus entry into the pack giveaway. And then obviously it just lets us know what you want to hear about. And we'll answer those questions on future podcasts. So that link is in the show description as well. If you guys happen to be getting this episode kind of as it's released, um, you know, we're going to be at Hunt Expo next week in Salt Lake City. Uh, we will be at the Northwest Sportsman Show um, in Portland later in February. So those would be two opportunities to come see K4 in person. Um, and aside from that, yeah, stay tuned. A lot more coming. We appreciate you guys uh, not only supporting EXO, but supporting the podcast. Um, and hope that uh, this wasn't <laughs> too much of a nerdy deep dive for you we tried to restrain ourselves steve but it's fun to talk it's, about yeah it's it's fun for me that's for sure well there you have it guys thanks for following along hope you guys enjoyed some of that background information as you can probably tell steve and i are extremely extremely excited to kind of let the cat out of the bag and to be able to publicly talk about what we've been working on uh, for so long now so thanks for tuning in checking that out 
Again, if you want to get future updates, make sure to go to exomountaingear.com forward slash K4. If you enter there, you'll also be entered to win one of five K4 pack systems that we are giving away when we launch. And then also share your questions. What do you want to hear about K4, the nitty gritty, big picture, details, features, functions, etc.? Let us know. Look for the link in the show description that says leave us a message and leave us your audio message with whatever device you're currently on. And then we can share that and answer your questions on future episodes that are Q&A focused specifically on the new K4 packs. As always, appreciate you guys tuning in. There's a lot more to come with the podcast that isn't about K4. So some great guests, some great topics, interviews. Um, there's so much good stuff coming. I'm really excited about what's coming in 2023, not only for K4, but for this podcast in general. Thanks for being along for that ride with us. We appreciate you guys, and we'll talk to you soon.